You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome once again to the Needless Things Podcast. As you might have noticed, there was an unusual sound, a foreboding noise at the beginning of the podcast. It should have clued you into the fact that today we're going to be talking about the King of Monsters, Godzilla. Uh, I talk probably enough about my own thoughts about Godzilla when we actually get into the show, so I'm not going to do that here. I just want to say that I do love Godzilla. Uh, I love the design of the monster. I love the history of the monster. And it's it, he's one of those enduring things that has gone through a number of changes, but somehow over the past 60 years has managed to stay true, you know, to a certain extent, to the core of the character, uh, aside from the abortion that was made in 1998 that we try not to discuss, but you can't not talk about it. Uh, I want to remind you, before we get going, that Needless Things is available on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as on NeedlessThingsSite.com. I'm interested in the idea that somebody might stumble across the podcast and not be aware of the website, which I suppose is entirely likely. Uh, The website, I write for it, along with a few other folks, and it's about toys and movies and music and my life experiences at various conventions uh it's it's just it's what i want to read on a website so that's what i put on a website and it's it's mostly toy reviews like i review a lot of toys uh an author rt yule does lego reviews on a regular basis uh my co-host for the needless things podcast who who is here when he can be here mr bo brown uh, has written some reviews of masters of the universe classics uh we cover stuff from nika or naka depending on uh, who who you are dc collectibles uh gi joe star wars everything and i also will cover dragon con and heroes con and usually TimeGate, though i won't be there this year because my work schedule uh and yes i do have a regular day job uh i am not phantom troublemaker which by the way if this is your first episode i go by the name phantom troublemaker it's also the name i write uh under on needlessthingssite.com as well as hosting uh, the earth station who podcast for the eso network uh, which is all Doctor Who. We'll review episodes. We'll talk about various Doctor Who-related things, and that is published twice a month. You can find that on esopodcast.com. But uh, I am not Phantom Troublemaker all the time, which is unfortunate. Uh, I do have to go to a day job, and that day job is uh, nightmarish at best. It's not pleasant. 
and it pays the bills. It pays for needless things. Although recently, the Phantomaniacs have combined forces to help out cover expenses. I was able to recently upgrade my bandwidth and my monthly upload, which is why I'll have a special surprise treat to announce at the end of this episode. But, uh, yeah, I've gotten some financial support lately. And if you want to help out the Needless Things podcast, you can do one of two things, or both. You can do both. I'll encourage that. Uh, you can click on the PayPal button that can be found to the right of the needlessthingssite.com in the sidebar. Or if you are somehow looking at this on the Podbean site, uh, there is a PayPal on the bottom right sidebar. And you can click on that and donate whatever you want to donate. Every little bit helps out. Uh, if you have a dollar, two dollars, whatever, uh, $1,000, sure, go for it. And I personally guarantee you that every single cent that is donated will go towards this site, this podcast, uh, my pursuits at conventions, uh, things of that nature. This is not personal, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go buy toys with it, despite the fact that I review those toys on the website, because uh, I feel like that's a different expense. I'd be buying those toys anyway. Only every once in a while do I buy a toy just for the heck of it, just because I feel like it would be a good review. Uh, most of the stuff I review is because is I want it, because I am an avid toy collector. It's what I do. Uh, so that is number one, PayPal donations. Number two, you can go to Store Envy, uh, look for Needless Things, and you can buy Needless Things t-shirts designed by me. You can buy stickers. You can buy prints of Phantom Troublemaker versus Zombies that were done by my good friend Belligerent Monkey, who can be found at belligerentmonkey.com. Uh, go and check out his awesome art. Or you can buy a Needless Things mystery box. Uh, for $15, I will stuff a priority mail box full of goodies. Uh, so movies, t-shirts, stickers... Uh, all kinds of different stuff uh, will be delivered right to your door, and there's no telling what I'll put in there. There's some toys, uh, lots of toys sitting around. I've, I've got all kinds of stuff uh, worth well over $15. So far, I think the lowest value I've calculated on, on stuff in one of these boxes was around $41. Uh, so, you know, it's it's worth your while, and it helps out the site. So, on to business! Godzilla comes out Friday, and... I've gone back and forth on how excited I've been about the movie. Uh, I think a lot of people have, because you generally can't trust Hollywood with much. And I'm excited about it. I didn't want to be excited about it, but I'm excited about it. So I wanted to get uh, some of my pals, some of my resources, uh, some fellow nerds together to talk about the history of Godzilla to hopefully uh, latch on to the hype a little bit, get some extra eyes and ears on the site and on the podcast and also just to talk about Godzilla man because that's 60 years worth of, of interesting stuff so I've got some great guests today some people I was really excited to have on the show and all of them are first timers now I've actually recorded with Gary Mitchell from the Revcast before uh, so we you know we were good to go but I've got two two people that I'm uh, really excited about I've been wanting to work with Johnny Danger for a while and 
if there's any time to call in Johnny Danger, it's for a Godzilla podcast. And then my pal Scott Stripling, who I have recently kind of gotten back together with a little bit. And he's he's an exciting guy with a lot of knowledge of a lot of different things. And he has a, a, a different take on Godzilla. He's got his own unique perspective on Godzilla, as he does on everything. So... I'm really excited. This is a great, great episode. Normally, I say I hope you guys enjoy it uh, as much as I enjoyed recording it or some, you know, whatever. That's the same kind of thing you hear on every podcast. This time, I know you guys are going to enjoy it because we're all enthusiastic. We're all excited to be talking, and it's a good show. So that's it for right now. I will check back in after the talk, and I will clue you in on the special surprise that developed out of recording this episode. So, that's enough from me. Now it's time to get on with the show! And welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast. It's taken a little longer to get here than I had hoped, but we are here today with the kings of monsters of nerdery to talk about the king of monsters. That's right. This is the Godzilla cast for Needless Things. Uh, the movie is not out yet. None of us have seen it. We, we don't, you know, all we know is what we've seen in the trailers. Or I don't think any of it. Nobody's seen it, right? No, no, no. Damn linear time. Right. (laughs) Screw that thing. Uh, So we haven't seen it yet, but I wanted to get everybody together and talk about the history of Godzilla because, to me, right now, that's more interesting than just talking about a new movie that's coming out, you know, because we've got 60 years of history that we can cover. And uh, it's going to be six, seven hours of talking. I think you guys will really enjoy it. but seriously, I mean, it's, it's going to be cool to sit down and talk about Godzilla and, and the movies and the toys and the comics and everything about just how, how many different ways this legend has been presented to the public. Uh, and I think that's fun. And also, I figure Godzilla is going to be huge on the Internet this week. And what better way to maybe get some new listeners than to latch on to that hype, right? Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're doing today. Uh Joining me today uh, are an eclectic crew, and I'm really excited to have... Uh, these are all my first-round draft picks for this episode, and I'm so glad all these guys could be here. Uh, first, I want to introduce one of my oldest friends on the planet, uh, one of my longtime sources of nerd support. Uh, we grew up together we went through many different stages of nerdery together. We branched out into different things. Uh, and now we are combining once again 
like Voltron, if Voltron were only two lions, <laughs> to uh, to talk about Godzilla. And I'm talking about my buddy Scott Stripling. Scott, welcome to the Needless Things podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Stripling. I'm from Shoot the Moon Comics. I do mini comics and hopefully bigger comics this year. I'm, I'm hoping to expand out some this year, working on a website and all that kind of stuff. But uh, as Mr. Phantasmus says... We've gone back for years, and hell, I've probably watched my first Godzilla movie with you. Um, <laughs> I do remember, I know you were probably at any of the Monster Mashes where they played them, so I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I remember watching them there and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I'm, I do comic books. So. Scott has a, a style that I've honestly never seen before, because you, you've drawn from so many different inspirations and so many different places uh, your your stuff is is so original, which is something that's sorely lacking uh, today. I think. Uh, I'm just making me blush. So. Oh, that's all right. I, I like to blow smoke, and uh, <laughs> we're all about plugging here because really, there's no reason to go on a podcast if you can't plug your stuff. And uh, I, I know nobody knows that better than Mister Gary Mitchell of the Revcast. How are you doing tonight, Gary? I am doing monstrously well. Ah. See, that's the kind of clever things you expect out of me. <laughs> that's right. Well, it's uh, it's it's only going to get better as the night goes on. My adult beverage gets lower and lower in the cup. <laughs> and finally, joining us, uh, official Godzilla-ologist, uh, professional wrestler, close personal friend, and a man that I've been honored to introduce into the squared circle on many occasions... Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Danger! I love it when he does that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to being a part of this. Uh, Godzilla's been a huge part of my life since as long as I can remember. So let's have some fun tonight, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd just like to say that the first time I ever saw Johnny wrestle, um, and, and you'll probably remember this, he comes out to the ring. And he's he's an indie guy. He has that look that he's hungry. He's out there to entertain. You know, I I, I immediately was like, okay, I want to see what this guy does. And then I look down, and he's got on the baggy pleather indie pants. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, really? And then I noticed on the side of those baggy pleather indie pants was Godzilla. Ah. I was like, this is a guy I want to see. <laughs> so I'm, you I'm, saw me wrestle and you changed your mind. Yeah, I, I saw. I, I got to see the danger kick develop, man. Yeah? Yeah, I got to see it over the course of time turn into a truly devastating uh, move that the crowd went apeshit for. Don't, don't sell yourself short, man. You, you were... The the last show I saw you at, ev- not just the kids, everybody in the building was going nuts for you. I mean, you it was it was amazing watching you you come up, man. I mean, it really was. You know, I think the adult beverages might have something to do with that, but whatever. I know, I, whatever, I yeah, I'll take it. They they were giving them away at the show, so it's entirely possible. And if you come out last, that's probably good and get those adult beverages, lo- loosen them up good, too. So. That's true. That's true. All right. So we're here to talk about Godzilla. Um, where I'm coming from with Godzilla, you know, I saw the 60s movies. I, I don't think I had even seen the very first Godzilla movie until much later on in my life. 
uh, because I, I had, like I think a lot of people around my age, I had the aversion to black and white stuff. Like it, it Even to this day, it takes effort for me to sit down and watch something in black and white, even if it's a modern uh, take on something. It's there. I just have this block, which is ridiculous, because one of the best movies I've ever seen uh, was done in a uh, black and white version. Uh, the Mist? Shit, I'm blanking. Second, The Mist. Thank you so much. Holy uh. shit. Second edit of the show. Woo. <laughs> uh, but no, see, The I've, Mist. I've never see, had that's that. That's why you have... Hmm? I've never had that black and white aversion. I mean, that's like Night of the Living Dead, you know, the first Godzilla. These are like, but I go even artier, you know. I, I love. Yeah, like, you're you're <laughs> a very old school. Like you, you have a different kind of appreciation for things than I do. I just want to sit there and have things shot into my dumb brain and and make me laugh or you know groan or or whatever visceral reaction I want. Whereas you tend to have more of an eye for nuance and like it's not, I mean, stuff. It's part of it is like, I want something to inspire me. And a lot of that old stuff inspires me in different ways than the, 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 you know, I don't necessarily zone out when I watch something. Yeah. And I, that's what I, I mean, I, I am capable of intelligently watching something, but generally I just sit back and it's like, hey, feed me your radio <laughs> signals into my eyeballs. Well, that's probably, yeah, that's I, probably I, healthier in some ways. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's possible, but I, but I, I would, uh, you know, I've got a bunch of Godzilla toys. I've, I've, I've already owned prior to preparing for this. I owned a few Godzilla movies, but I am by no means a, uh, a Godzilla file. I mean, I, I know a little bit, but I'm coming at it from just your general average everyday nerd who knows of Godzilla and really digs a giant monster. Uh, Gary, where, where are you, what's your angle on Godzilla? Uh, I've been watching Godzilla as long as I can remember. What uh, you know, I'm of the generation that every, you know, before cable, every Saturday on the UHF channels, it was old horror movies, and I'll just never forget the first time seeing, you know, the is like, why are these, you know, what's with all these people with their lips out of sync, and then you know, <laughs> giant monster comes out of the ocean. I'm like, okay, I'm in. I don't care what else happens, I'm in. And you it, bring up an interesting point because I, okay, when I'm watching standard foreign movies, mm-hmm. I prefer subtitles. Yes. Uh, I, I don't like dubbing. It's just, it's it's jarring. It takes you out of the movie. However, Godzilla movies, for whatever reason, I prefer with the dubbing. And I think it goes back to the fact that I first saw them when I was a kid, and that feels natural to me mm-hmm. uh, to see the dubbing. Because watching, I... I kind of binge-watched a, a, a few movies, not as many as I wanted to, but I watched some of the 90s ones, and I started off with the subtitles, because that's my natural default for foreign films, mm-hmm. and it just felt weird to me, and then I turned on the dub, and despite the fact that the dubbing is pretty terrible mm-hmm. on the, the ones that I watched, it just felt better to me. Well, it's part of the um, charm. Yeah, it, well, it is to me. Um, Johnny, you've got a different take on that, though, don't you? Honestly, I, I tend to default to what I first saw. Like, I'll watch the movies from the 60s and 70s. I'll watch those dubs because that, that's how I grew up watching them. But the 90s films, you know, I first saw those subtitled bootlegs. Terrible video quality, but I was fucking blown away by them. So yeah, that's yeah. That's how I watch them today because the dubbing, I, I, don't, I don't like it on those. But, you know, the voices we, we grew up with in the 60s and 70s, I'm fine with those. 
Well, and it's an interesting difference because, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but you know, the tone of the Godzilla movies has shifted many times over the years. Oh yeah. And I think the campier '60s movies, you know, after once you get past the first couple of movies, they get fairly campy. And 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 when I say campy, I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> I mean I mean that in Adam West Batman campy fun ultraman campy like mm-hmm. i love campy i'm not yeah. using that as a derogatory term no, in any way whatsoever that's a good point because i want my ultraman i want my ultraman dubbed also there's it, yeah. it, the, it fits it fits that campiness but the later ones are more serious so it, i can yeah. see yeah, I, I could yeah. watch the uh, first season of ultraman dubbed and i was like wow this is a whole different show mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I actually remember, I want to say it came on USA late at night, but there used to be a show that would take uh, Ultraman and set it to, like, music videos Mm -hmm. (laughs) and do completely just cornball dubbing over it. Like, nothing to do with with the original story or anything at all. Uh, And if any listeners can tell me what the heck that was, because it's one of those things from my childhood that I, like, vaguely recall, but I don't know... I'm not even positive it was on USA. I I'm pretty think sure it's it part was. of USA's Up All Night. Yeah, it probably night. was. And see, USA is where I saw those Godzilla movies. Uh, I want to say it was on Commander USA's Groovy Movies, if you guys remember that. Man, the 90s were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> These kids today, they don't know what they didn't. They don't have. No, oh, they don't. <laughs> and Well, and the thing is, you know, back then you had to catch it when it was on. Yeah. Yeah. You, you couldn't just, you know, go to Amazon and stream instantly in well, the old Godzilla movie. It totally is a different thing for us because we we got what we got, and it was if we search things, we could search a little bit, but these kids have it all at their fingertips, and that's an, that's an awesome thing in its own way, but there was something cool about discovering things like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and it's yeah. it's good and bad because back then... You know, we were exposed to things because we kind of had no choice. Like, yeah. we would end up watching shitty movies because what else are you going to watch? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you'd get the gems, like, you know, every once in a while a Godzilla would show up amongst all the crap movies, and you're like, yes, it's Godzilla time! Yeah. And uh, But now, you know, you you don't have to watch bad stuff, which, like you said, is kind of good and bad. Yeah. It's just different. So. Yeah. It's like the kids will never know the terror of before VHS and what's all that's on? Uh, Beverly Hillbillies Marathon. <laughs> right, right. Oh, you must be talking about TBS, home of Beverly Hillbillies <laughs> and, and Beastmaster. Yeah. I'm talking about pre-cable. I'm talking like, you know, your three major networks, and if you're a lucky one, if not two, UHF channels. <laughs> Gary is our senior commenter this evening. Yes. <laughs> Now, of, I'm pre-cable, people. Speaking of TBS, <laughs> growing up in Atlanta, we had Super Scary Saturday with Grandpa Monster. That's how I found Godzilla. Yeah, I was going to say, oh. TBS is an awesome oh, station. Yeah. So, I mean, I watched all my Kung Fu movies, everything on TBS. Oh. Godzilla, Three Stooges, WCW Wrestling. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, shoot, didn't they used to have a Saturday night wrestling show that started at 7 p.m. or something and went till 3 in the morning? Yeah, that it, was... A- uh, oh, yeah. Channel 69, what turned into... Oh, 69. Yeah. And that covered all of the regional wrestling. Yeah. Yes. Hour of WWF, an hour of NWA, then all the local promotions. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember I remember staying up to watch that. My Saturday night TV schedule, I'm still trying to figure out if maybe there was more than one of me. <laughs> because there was that wrestling, there was Doctor Who, there was Saturday Night Live. Like, I don't know how I fit all those things in. We would flip them all around. I mean, it was like I, was, yeah. it was like I would watch Headbangers Ball until Slaughter came on, and then I would flip over to Kung Fu movies, and then... It's you know you bounced it around. So. Yeah, you oh, had yeah. you had to time everything. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. There was and, and again to you know to bring old fogeydom into it. <laughs> there were no there were no DVRs back then. <laughs> you could just record everything you wanted to. You had to set a timer and say, oh shit, it's twelve oh five. I'm gonna switch <laughs> over to WCW. <laughs> Yeah, back Which is how I talked back then when I was eight. Oh yes, <laughs> back in my I day, used to I flip on Saturday cover. cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Saturday night, like I remember sneaking out of my room after my parents went to bed at about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, and flipping between PBS showing Monty Python, one of the local channels showing some Hammer horror film, oh. and uh, another UHF channel showing Kung Fu Theater. That's the one oh, that I got hooked on. That was that was my seventies vein right there. Those kung fu movies, and that's that that actually kind of eases you into Godzilla in a weird way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's they, they're same time period, and you get used to watching the mouths off and everything. So yeah. So Johnny, you uh, what what is your history? Do you remember the first time you saw Godzilla, and and how did it turn into a such an important thing to you? Like I said, it was Super Scary Saturday on TBS. I'm fairly sure I was about five years old, and the first movie was King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, wow. So Kaiju, was Kaiju Kong your first King Kong? It actually was, yeah. And then when I saw the original 30s King Kong, I, I was kind of let down. Like, he's small. He's not tearing shit up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of course, I wow. appreciate it now, but back then, man... <laughs> Yeah, I can I can totally see that. And when you're like, why is he moving all weird? And yeah, and the, yeah. Old, the old cut of King Kong didn't even have him fighting the dinosaurs, did it? Or oh, did yeah, he it? always fought the dinosaurs? It, it depended okay. on um, which edit your your station showed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't right. see the dinosaur fight until later, and I was like, whoa! Now this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I remember. Uh, I don't know what channel it was. It was probably TBS, but. I remember going to our neighbor's house because they had the biggest TV out of all of the the people that lived around us because one of the stations was showing King Kong in 3D. (laughs) And you could go to, I want to say it was 7-Eleven, but it was was some Mm -hmm. kind of convenience store. You could go to a convenience store and pick up the 3D glasses and then... Go, you know, what Saturday night at 7 p.m. or whatever it was, they showed King Kong in 3D. And I remember thinking, this is the most boring movie I've ever seen. <laughs> because I didn't, I don't know how old I was, but I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't get it at the time. It's, it's a, at all. It is a very dramatic movie, and I'm kind of glad that I, I saw it a little, when I was a little, I was probably 20 or so when I saw it. Yeah, and there's, there's lots of movies like that that you kind of have to go back to later to appreciate yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Scott, you, uh, you're a comic guy. Yes. I don't want to pigeonhole you like that. No, but I mean, you that's, are, that's what it, it is. So. Yeah. 
Um, what uh, what is your experience with the Godzilla comics? Because that's something I've never delved into that because my thought on it was always it's Godzilla. How are you going to translate that to a comic book? Because it's a very kinetic and visual thing. Well, I think we were we were talking a little bit before about um, before we started recording about how the Godzilla comics kind of line up with the kind of like Star Wars comics. Very wide variety of of uh, levels of decency, you know, story and art wise in these books. But um, when we were coming up, you know, the hot guy was Art Adams with the mutants and everything. Yeah, and he did it. I'm sorry, I keep clearing my throat. Um, please, please keep it clear <laughs> for the benefit of everybody. But he uh, he did Godzilla comics back in the I guess it was early '90s, late '80s. And, um, I mean, those were just beautiful comic books. And then, of course, you know, I'm a quarter bin whore. I love quarter bins. And you find tons of the old Marvel Godzillas in the quarter bins. Mm-hmm. And old Marvel Godzilla is akin to the cartoon, which is, you know, I know a lot of people think is sacrilege to even consider part of Godzilla. But I have, you, you talk about camp. You don't get much campier than the cartoon, and you have to. I mean, that's a special kind of like defense to defend Godzuki. <laughs> so, um, I'll defend the cartoon, but I won't defend Godzuki. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> um, I tried showing those cartoons to my my son. He's thirteen. I tried to show them to him last year, and he just he wasn't having that shit. He's like, Godzilla cartoons. You got to hit him around seven. Yeah, I think I should have him a little earlier, but, you know, Netflix is around now, so. Well, and I remember watching those, and these are the old, for, for you youngsters out there, these are the old, uh, what, I guess, 80s yeah. Godzilla cartoons, yeah. not, the, not the one based on a Marizilla, which I want to go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, we are not going to discuss a Marizilla. Thank you. At all. Monazilla? Except for... Amerizilla's bizarre appearance in Final Wars, which I want to discuss when we get to that, because that blew my mind. Um, <laughs> but no, this is the old Godzilla cartoon where, like, really, Godzuki was kind of the main yeah. deal, and then Godzilla just showed up at the end when Godzuki got, you know, kidnapped by poachers or whatever the hell no, happened. Godzuki was the main character. I mean, yeah. And the comic books were along the line of that. I mean, Godzilla was more of a main character but i am like like i said i'm quarter ben whore but because of that I, ha- I ended up having this real love for early 80s late 70s marvel license books and those those books were drawn by herb trimpey who is i mean gi joe gi joe he did every one of those starry no he didn't do he did robotics i mean all of those books are just you know everything he did i love mm-hmm and uh, so, I mean, Godzilla is not the greatest comic book in the world, but it's a fun comic book. And yeah. that goes back to, like, you know, the love of the campiness of this stuff is, you know, things used to be fun with with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, as comic books went on, they tried to get more and more realistic. And I think they there's still a, a strain of fun in Godzilla, which is, I think, you know, a testament to, you know... Uh, what we liked in things this there there are still people trying to do that so i think godzilla still tries to be fun and i, I appreciate that 
And one know, of my favorite comics of all time is still the I- issue of the Marvel run, where he's going after. <laughs> it, I think it was it was it was it's either New York or San Francisco, and I want to say it's San Francisco because he goes up against the champions of all people, which was oh. like Iceman, uh, Angel, yes, the X Men. And a shield helicarrier, and at the end of it, you know, Godzilla swatted the helicarrier into the bay. That's so and, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And he just kind of walks over to the helicarrier, and the text is like, he grabs one of the, the, the jet nacelles and kind of tweaks it, and this is the quote that will always stick with me from the, from the text box of, like an uncle pinching a nephew's cheek. <laughs> 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 these, these were uh, go ahead and like put some some knowledge out on this. So Doug Munch wrote, I think he wrote the whole run, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the guy who wrote. I mean, he wrote Masters of Kung Fu and all you know all of that seventies stuff that we consider cheesy now. He wrote most of that. I think he wrote Doctor Strange for a while, and, but um, Doctor uh, Doug Munch and uh, Herb Trimpey were the two main guys on those books. Just to get that out there to you, so. yeah. I mean that's a pretty good pedigree too because yeah. they're you know they those guys uh prob well maybe Doug Munch a little bit but I mean they're they're not going to be you know they're not the legendary names no. but everything they did was entertaining mm-hmm. like and I I'd rather have guys that were solidly entertaining for decades at a time than flash in the pan superstars who who had one or two big series and then just kind of you know, never really did anything else. Those guys were workers. They they were like the blue collar comic book creators. Oh yeah. Well, they were they were kind of. It's weird too because when they first came in, they were kind of like the counterculture too. And then it's it's but they for some reason they were never able to assimilate into like what the bullpen was in the '60s. So it was always kind of more like a blue collar thing. And, well, but the thing is, they didn't turn their nose up at this stuff. They embraced it. Yeah. They took the paycheck, and they made it as good as they could make it. And I, I love that. That's why, I mean, that's why I have so much respect for Larry Hama on G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is is that, you know, he just took a license and ran with it and, and made it something really magical. But we're not here to talk about G.I. Joe. We're here to talk about Godzilla. Johnny Danger, uh, comics and cartoons. Have you... Uh, have you have you been exposed to those at all, or are you more of a movie purist? I have. Um, you know, you talk about the license. I think one thing that kind of handcuffed them. My understanding is when you're licensing Godzilla from Toho, you have to license all the monsters separately. So if you pay for Godzilla, you don't get Mothra, you don't get Rodan. That's why we didn't see any of those classic monsters in the Marvel or the uh, Dark Horse comics. I forgot to oh, mention wow. that. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That's, they were always creating their own monsters for them to fight. Which right. is which is pretty cool in its own sense. Mm-hmm. So it was it, cool, but I think as, as a fan, I was disappointed. I know most Godzilla fans were disappointed, but luckily with the uh, IDW series they got going right now, they've got about fifteen or twenty different licenses. You're seeing a lot of monsters. Uh, you're seeing the Gargantuas, some monsters that never fought Godzilla on film. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. The cartoon, yeah, how, and that's one of the keys of Godzilla is watching him kick the crap out of the other monsters. Right. How is the IDW series? It's good. The first, uh, it was just titled Godzilla. It was kind of bland. The one they got going on right now, I think it's called Godzilla Rulers of Earth. It's pretty good. I mean, did you did you read the Stoko the the Century War, Half Century War one? I did. That one was pretty good as well. Yeah, that's the one that everybody seems to kind of like. And I've read Stoko when he did Orc Spain, and I'm I'm interested in his art, but. 
He um that's the one everybody seems to kind of point to as the good stuff. Yeah. And then for the cartoon, I saw it as more Scooby Doo with a monster. You had Godzuki as mm-hmm. Scrappy Doo with the focus on him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they had Godzilla breathing actual fire and shooting lasers from his eyes for some reason. <laughs> what killed me is they didn't get the iconic roar for Godzilla. They had Ted Casty, who played Lurch on the Adams Family, going, <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, you know, that's an that's an interesting thing you bring up, though, and, and something I definitely wanted to cover. So uh, here's a segue. Godzilla has looked very, very different over the years had a number of different appearances since since 1954 and unless i'm mistaken they have at certain points tried to explain his looking different what uh, what's the deal there what's going on with that honestly i don't think it's ever been explained in a movie except for uh, godzilla versus destroyo when he was glowing red and about to melt down that was part of the story other than that, you know, it's just artistic differences in the suits that they never really tackled it on screen, to the best of my knowledge. Didn't it's, they? Didn't didn't the? I mean, the first one skeleton shows up in a couple movies, does it not? Yeah, in the uh, <laughs> what they call the Kiryu saga, Mechagodzilla three, they built Mechagodzilla over the bones of the first yeah. Godzilla. The timelines are crazy. Pretty much there's four or five different timelines. The only thing they share in common is the original movie happened and that Godzilla was killed. Okay. Right. And huh. Everything- and then your, your timelines and your stories just go depending on which era of Toho we're talking about. Right. Okay, so I watched uh, the 90s Godzilla versus King Ghidorah mm-hmm. and... As best I could tell, the the science people traveled back in time. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Time travel is never a good thing in a series that is not specifically about time travel. So it seems to me like they traveled back in time and removed the original... I think they called it a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but not really. Um, Removed Godzilla from the island before the blast would have mutated him into the Godzilla that we saw in 1954 and instead left behind these three nightmarish little kitten dragon things <laughs> that are the scariest things I've seen this year. And those turned into King Ghidorah. Uh. And then... <laughs> then, somehow or other, they... They took the original Godzillasaurus or whatever, and is that a thing? That's a thing, right? Godzillasaurus? That's been introduced at some point, hasn't it? Yes, it was a Godzillasaurus that mutated into Godzilla. Okay, okay. And then uh, they took the original Godzillasaurus and used some process to mutate it into Godzilla to fight King Ghidorah, and that's why that Godzilla looked the way that Godzilla looked, because they used something different from the atomic bomb to mutate it. Now, this just sounds like scientists fucking around. Is there, like, real purpose to all this? I mean, were they... Was oh, there, no. No, it, I, I don't understand the 90s movies <laughs> at all. Uh, Final Wars is probably the most insane thing I've ever seen, and I loved it because it was like, hey, let's get all the monsters in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it was uh, intended to be the last one, so it was the last hurrah. So That's where the does the title "Final Wars"? And uh, in the movies, Godzilla's son. First of all, is Godzilla's son actually Godzilla's son? Kinda. Is Godzilla female? No, oh. stop that. <laughs> Hang up on him. Uh, I remember, I, which there's like one or two, the timeline is like Godzilla's kid shows up in like three of the Toho movies, and he basically grows up, and you know, and Godzilla dies, and this new Godzilla is the is the kid Godzilla, depending on the timeline. <laughs> because there's a there's a Godzilla Junior or whatever that kind of looks more like Godzilla, and then there's Godzuki. And then I feel like I've seen Godzuki referenced to as Minizilla or Manila or something. Yeah, the translation is Minira or Minya. Godzuki was only in the cartoon, and that was Godzilla's nephew. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> yeah, no. Please, that's, that is, I, that's why I'm so glad you're here, because this is a very confusing continuity or lack thereof. And we need a Johnny Danger official Godzillaologist to set us straight. <laughs> Who is setting Godzilla like eggs all over the place? Then it's always, that's a good question. It's always been my assumption that the original egg was just kind of fossilized and preserved, and hey, why not? It hatched one day. Okay, so they're around. They're just around. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's the don't think about it too hard. They're just there. <laughs> <laughs> so to lay it down. So we've got, even though it is separate uh, timelines, let's lay down movie-wise the eras of Godzilla. Um, I'm going to rely on you guys, I guess Johnny and Gary. What what are the actual eras movie-wise from 1954 to now? Okay, the first era is unofficially called the Showa era, which was from 54 to 75 followed by the uh, Heisei era, which was 84 to 95, and then Millennium was uh, 99 to 04. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty, that's, that is less complicated than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, now, across all those years, Godzilla has, has fought against and teamed up with tons of other, I want to say kaiju, because that's now... I think Pacific Rim had a lot to do with introducing that into the mainstream vocabulary. Yeah. Is that technically the correct term, or are we kind of bastardizing that? Kaiju is correct. Uh, it means mysterious beast, but to be more specific, it would be daikaiju, which is large, mysterious beast. Ah, very nice. And also awesome surf rock band. <laughs> um Okay, so Daikaiju, Godzilla has teamed up with and fought against tons of Daikaiju. Uh, one of the movies I watched in my binging before we, we recorded here was the first uh, Godzilla versus Mothra, which was Godzilla versus The Thing, which I kind of dig Mothra just being called The Thing. <laughs> um, and, guys, that's actually a great fucking movie. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's not really campy. It has a fantastic plot. Like, it's very cohesive. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that thing. And, I, you know, all of these I go into, like, like I said, I enjoy movies by turning my brain off, sitting back and watching the movie. Uh, if I need to up my brain activity a little bit, I can. But this is just a good movie. 
the the earlier ones they took it a little more serious i think did they not i mean they they spent more mm-hmm. i mean they were more artistic than they they became later and i think that the, that has a lot to do with that. i think they spent more maybe more time on the earlier ones johnny you probably know better with this than i would but yeah. i get the i get i get the sense that those were thought of as like somewhat serious movies Oh yeah, well, the fir- the first Gojira was basically therapy for a country that just got nuked. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean it's an art movie. It's not. It's it's a it's an artistic horror movie. Mm-hmm. Especially <laughs> if you see the original without Raymond Burr stuck in it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Raymond Burr ruins that movie. I mean, that's the the original Japanese version of that movie is a beautiful. That's in my top ten movies. Period. So, yeah, I will say, got anybody listening to this? Uh, if you want to watch the first Godzilla movie. Track down, go, go, I'm going to mangle the pronunciation, Gojira. There you go. Okay. Track that down, find the criterion mm-hmm. of it. That's what I have. It's gorgeous. Yes, it's great. Avoid, avoid the Raymond Berwin like the plague. If you don't know, uh, when Godzilla was released, or when Gojira was released in America, they added Raymond Burr into the movie because they didn't think Americans would watch a movie with no white people in it, which... Honestly, they were probably right. Yeah. I think would have had a tough road ahead of it, you know, if they hadn't yeah. done that. But it also makes it kind of a shitty movie. So just track down Gojira, watch that, and get your mind fucking blown. I, I don't even consider that first movie with Raymond Burr. Like, it just, that it's so, to me, it, it, it mangles that movie so bad. It does. It really, truly <laughs> does. I mean, it's amazing the difference between the two. The whole uh, tone is different. It is, yeah. it really is, because the honestly, the original Japanese version is disturbing. It It is, uh, you know, along with stuff like Tetsuo the Iron Man, um, Dead or Alive, you know, some of Takashi Miike's first stuff, it's, it's a haunting, disturbing movie. It's yeah. not, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, it is still Godzilla beating the shit out of Tokyo, but it's, it's an entirely different experience. I mean, it, it really is... A, a thoughtful film that uh, it's funny. It was put to me cause it's, it is a horror movie and it, it was put to me at one point and I wish I could attribute this, this analogy to somebody. I can't remember who said it. Uh, but when they were telling me about Godzilla and the changes in the franchise over the years, they said, imagine if in America, the Friday, the 13th series had over time become directed towards children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that kind of drives home, like just how bizarre all of the changes that Godzilla has been through are. Yeah, he goes uh, from a back... walking representation of nuclear weapons to you know friend of all children. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, but I want to get back to the rest of the Daikaiju because I started off with uh, talking about Mothra and how fantastic that first Mothra movie was. But there's a huge list of other monsters that got introduced into the series. Uh, my personal favorite is King Ghidorah. Um, I, I don't, it's just the look. I really dig the look. Uh, and after seeing, and I, again, I don't totally understand the nineties movies. They kind of melted my brain a little bit. It looks like at the end of final wars, Mechagodzilla turned into King Ghidorah or something. It was <laughs> fucking ridiculous. But uh, old 60s 
Ghidorah or Monster Zero. I I prefer the name Monster Zero myself. Um, that to me is the coolest looking suit out of all of them. I dig the puppetry of the heads. I love the fact that there's a dude in this giant golden dragon suit with three puppet heads working. I, I just I love that design so much. What about you guys, um, Gary? What what's your favorite of of Godzilla's friends and foes? Ah, uh, it is so tempting to go with Mothra because you know that's a f- you know he he's it's such a great design. The, going from the caterpillar spinning the the webbing to the Mothra, but the one that always sticks with me and hits me where I live, and I one of the first ones I remember watching, and it terrified me as a child, is Hedera, the smog monster. Oh uh, yeah, because that it's a great movie, and I just remember that that one scene. I'm talking like I'm six, seven years old, and it flies over the city. And it does this kind of white pan where all the people turn into skeletons. Yep. And that image has haunted me my whole life. Because <laughs> it just was instant. It's just like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just all these people and then dead. And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, so... was a theme of, that was the theme of the early ones was that, you know, it, later on it became, oh, he's just smashing up some buildings. But early on, it was mass death. I mean, that was the focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Scott, what... And there was uh, a lot more your... uh, metaphor and allegory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Scott, what's your uh, favorite of, of the <laughs> non-Godzilla daikaiju? Well, I am totally a, uh, a mecha-Godzilla nut. I'm a, I love robots. Um, he's, he's fucking cool. And, and, like, you know, he's talking about how he was built on the bones of the original guy. That's, that's so cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just a he's he's it's a cool visual, everything about him and it's a cool robot too. So, I'm I'm a Mecha Godzilla guy. Johnny Danger, what about you? You know, outside of Godzilla himself, I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, 60s King Ghidorah as well. Yeah. Mm. The design is just amazing and the fact that he's the one monster in the series Godzilla never would fight one-on-one. He always had backup. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, that, the fight, okay, well, I love the the first, uh, well, no, it's not the first one, it's, uh, I think it's just Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, and it's uh, the aliens kidnap Godzilla and yes. Rodan, uh, bring them back, that's another fantastic movie, and the fight, well, first of all, Monster Zero's assault. I actually, when I watched this the other night, I had to put it up on Facebook because as soon as as soon as he flies down towards the planet, like those nostalgic memories flooded into me of being a little kid and seeing that because that happens to me a lot when I watch something I haven't seen since I was a kid. You know how you'll get that visceral reaction to a scene you remember. Mm-hmm. Like, you may watch the movie and you'll be like, "Yeah, I kind of remember this, whatever," and then all of a sudden something that just punches you in the gut and when monster zero comes flying down and they've sped the frame rate up so he's moving super fast shooting lightning out across the landscape just it's it's kind of like you were saying with hedora it's horrifying he's moving it's such a huge thing moving so fast shooting that lightning out and that suit looks so good Mm mm-hmm it's just really, I mean, it's one of those like Creature from the Black Lagoon moments where what has been put together by the people who made these suits is so nice, you just get lost in it. 
Yeah, yeah. it totally it totally is one of the better suits, dude. It is a good one. And I love the fact um, that the plot on that one is so devious of the, hey, Earth, we'll get rid of this Godzilla creature for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll. He's, and they're even like, well, you know what? Godzilla and Rodan have been kind of a pain in the ass all these years. Let's go ahead and send them up there. But the key, the key moment of the whole movie is at the very end where even after discovering that these aliens were being deceitful, they wanted to take over the planet, they wanted to enslave humanity, even after all of that, the very last moments of the movie are them talking about, you're our ambassadors to these aliens. And the whole point is, these people were going to subjugate us, they were going to take over our planet, but we're still going to work with them, we're still going to try to build a better future. Like, that's powerful, man. Yeah. So, we've uh, we've talked about our favorites of the Daikaiju, but there are a lot more out there. Uh, I was particularly impressed, and I don't want to mangle the name, uh, the Ankylosaurus... Agira? Angurus. Angurus. Thank you very much. Uh... Another great design, and a guy that did they actually have a guy getting down on all fours and running around with that suit? Yeah, unfortunately, he had to crawl on his hands and knees, but it was so well done, you didn't really notice it. Yeah, I mean, it looks fantastic. It's hard to imagine. There, there have been several times in watching these where I've had to kind of really think about the dynamic of a guy being in a suit doing the things that these creatures are doing and again it's one of those things where you kind of get lost in it a little bit but uh that was some fantastic acting who we've got to talk a little bit about the guys who make these suits i don't know i know nothing about these guys but they're obviously the heroes of godzilla is there one guy that's that's kind of been there the whole way has it has it been passed down how what what's the deal with the suits I don't know who was personally responsible for each one of the classic suits, but the head special effects guy at Toho during that period was uh, E.G. Tsuburaya. And a lot of the designs, they were his credit. Like with King Ghidorah, the only instruction they were given was it's a three-headed monster with a voice like a bell. (laughs) And so they came up with this amazing golden three-headed dragon with this insane cackling roar, just oozing personality. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is we got to give it up to these performers that every single one of these monsters or daikaiju had personality. You could tell what they were doing, what they were thinking. As, as Joe Crow likes to say, the best Godzilla movies are the one where you can imagine doing wrestling smack talk during the fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. That and that totally happens. The the you know you think about okay, Godzilla is a suit. Guy puts on a suit, and and my first thought, as incorrect as it is, every time I think of a guy in a Godzilla suit, I think of Hannibal from the (laughs) A-Team in the opening credits, smoking his cigar through the neck flap. Which is totally wrong, because Hannibal Smith never could have done all the stuff. I mean, these guys are masters of pantomime, they're acrobats, and they're probably some of the toughest sons of bitches you'll ever meet in your life because they're in these suits sweating their asses off doing all this stuff. I got a great story for you real quick. Haru Nak- Do it. Haru Nakajima, the original Godzilla suit actor. 
85 years old, still alive and kicking. I met him uh, last year. Oh, wow. A story he told us he also played the original Rodan. Oh, what? There's a scene in Rodan where he's suspended by wires. I don't know how many feet in the air. The wires break, and he falls into the big pool and sinks underwater. Oh, no. Oh, man. And someone asked him, were you afraid when this happened? His answer was, I wasn't afraid. I was Rodan, so I could fly. <laughs> wow. Wow. This man was the monster. I mean, That's he got shot on awesome. fire, explosive shot at him, concussions, passing out underwater. That's mm. crazy, and that's that. You know, that raises another good point. Is not only did these guys have to be so physical, because the thing is, even to walk or move their arms, you know, it's not like it's just an actor walking or moving their arms. All of their motions have to be terribly exaggerated, and they have the suit working against them. Yeah, you know, to restrict their motions. I mean, these guys are are powerful people and they do have to be the monsters and they are getting set on fire because there's no bullshit special effects in these old movies man Mm -hmm. when you see rodan get set on fire there's fucking fire on rodan (laughs) it's not cgi it's not animated it's there and this guy is in this how, how much does one of these suits weigh the the first one from the original Gojira, I believe, was over 150 pounds. I'm Holy sh- shit! Did it get? I mean, they, it was it was a foam type substance too, wasn't it? I mean, wouldn't oh, yeah. it get? It would get heavier as they shot, wouldn't it? With water and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about before the show started, I was in a Godzilla suit this morning to promote a screening of Gojira in Atlanta, and I was only in this thing for about 15 minutes. The the gloves and the feet were filled up with sweat when I got yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the cool things to me is now on the internet, you know, I'm going to sound old again. Um, <laughs> this newfangled internet thingy. I get to see <laughs> pictures of the original actor, you know, with his with his head off and stuff like that. I never got to see that stuff before cuz I'm a little a little young for the fan magazines in the 70s. And, you know, I know in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have access to things like that. So, I mean, it's really cool now that I get to see, like, pictures like that. So, it, it's, it's, it adds a level of, like, I never really thought about the actor underneath the suit until I saw some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, well, and that's another thing that I think is a credit to the franchise is that you don't. Like, that's something that's that's a magic of a guy in a suit like that. Yeah. It's there. It has a weight. It has a presence. And it's a it's, character. Right. Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to a CGI construct that as, as good as CGI may get, there's still a soullessness to it. Yes. And there's still a lack of weight to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas these guys walking around in suits, when you're watching the movie, or at least when I'm watching the movie, I don't see a guy walking around in a suit. I see a monster that's there on the screen that has a presence. Yeah. Which I think is part of, like, okay, I'm going to bring up the, the, the uh, fake Godzilla American movies now. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Do know, it. If you're going to prove a point, go for it. Well, like Super 8, one of the disconnects I had with that is it didn't feel like a real character. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the the shaky cam one? I'm 
Cloverfield. Uh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield, yes. Where you don't even see the monster, which is kind of a, a, an interesting idea, but it really kind of struck home to me how um, it's an interesting idea, but those like the giant monster movies are about the monster. And if you don't have a monster with character in it, they're just not as entertaining to me. Yeah, and that's a very good point. I I enjoyed Cloverfield uh, once. Yeah, and but you bring up a good point. Is that monster? I I didn't want to buy the toy. Yeah. Um, I didn't really give a shit where it came from or anything like that. It's not a character. I, right. Exactly. It's and, and it was to to be fair to Cloverfield the movie. It was a different experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was meant to be, these are the people who are affected when Godzilla attacks. But then yeah. it just becomes a clever movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Which it is. Yeah. It totally is. But it's not a monster movie. No. No. It, it's, a, it's a human drama with uh, the monster in the background, which is why we hardly ever see it. Which is, um, I'm going to go ahead and jump onto this, because I love a good segue. My only concern about the new Godzilla movie is that Monsters, which Gareth Edwards, who's directing the new Godzilla movie, Mm -hmm. Monsters was the same thing. It was really a story about two assholes falling in love (laughs) that happened to have some big giant monsters in the background. I I am so with you on this. I, I did not... Like, I get what that movie is. I appreciate what that movie is, but I fucking hated that movie because it's called Monsters, but it it wasn't a monster movie. I wanted to run for the people. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And my only concern is that he's going to bring that to Godzilla, and that concern is compounded by the fact that they're marketing this to an American audience, and Brian Cranston's in the movie, and I fucking love Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. But I'm really worried that this movie should be called Brian Cranston and not Godzilla. I'm afraid they're going to be playing it way too seriously. I mean, yeah, it should be some level of seriousness to it, but I have a feeling that it's, they might overplay that, you know? Right, right. Which, just... but, and that's, man, what kind of hard line is that to tread, though? Because I don't think you can do a modern movie that's as much fun as the 60s Godzilla movies. Well, you know, but you also can't make another horror movie. I mean, they've got a tough job uh, ahead of them, and everything that I've seen gets me really excited. And I don't want to be excited. (laughs) I want to have. I want to have low expectations. But the trailers look cool. I I can't help but be excited about this movie, but I'm very wary of it. Well, Pacific Rim tried to bring that that 60s feel, I think. Well, they were really, it felt more like an 80s feel, I guess. Yes, it totally did. And and I'll go ahead and say right now, Pacific Rim, to me, was a complete fucking success. Yes. Well, one of the problems I had was there was too many monsters that you didn't get the personality of the monsters. And then they, well, you know, spoiler, they ended up being one monster. And... Kind of, yeah. And I don't know. I just felt like I, I wanted more out of it, and I think I was wanting a Godzilla, a straight Godzilla movie from it, and that's not what it was. So. It, it was, well, <laughs> it was a combination of, I think, the 
the not the best aspects, but the key aspects of Godzilla and anime. Yeah, yeah, it's very much Godzilla meets Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and see I, for that. And here's the thing with the monsters in Pacific Rim. Uh, two of those, mo- well, three, no, three, three of those monsters are sh- strictly from their appearance very recognizable. Leatherback, Otachi, and Knifehead, which Knifehead is a direct callback. Oh, shit. Johnny, you're going to have to help me out. I do Guy- you're thinking of Guren from the Gamera franchise. Guren yeah. versus Gamera. Yes, <laughs> you're right. Knifehead, totally a callback to that. Holy yes. shit. Um, that, you know, looks-wise, they very much had personality. Uh, and then Trespasser and Scudder shared a body with Knifehead. I mean, they directly, you know, they didn't even try to make those different because the point of the movie was we want giant monsters beating the shit out of giant robots. We don't want you too distracted by 50 different kinds of giant monsters. Mm-hmm. I, I like, they, there was a certain economy of storytelling with making the monsters, you know, clones and, yeah. and as similar as they were because they had to get to the point. Which is another thing I'm a little worried about with the new Godzilla is now there are multiple monsters in it. We don't know who they are. We don't know what they're doing. And how do you introduce, which, I, you know, Rodan appears to be in it. Yeah. What do you guys, you guys have seen the trailer with what clearly looks like Rodan, right? Rodan or something Rodan-ish. The only one I saw was the very first one. Oh, okay. Johnny, have you seen the newest one? I have, and it's definitely not Rodan. There are no established Toho monsters in the film except for Godzilla. Oh, really? Okay. There are some original monsters, but no classics. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because isn't the ta- from what I understand, the tack they're taking is this is the first Godzilla movie since the original. Oh, okay. So this is almost like the chainsaw they just released where... It's it was first chainsaw happened and then this new movie happened so this is Godzilla's the same thing is Godzilla happened and now this is happening. Well, yes right. and no. They're not they don't acknowledge the first movie, but in this universe something did happen in 1954, but it was not the events of Gojira. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah, we've seen. I've got a toy now, which uh, well, uh, let me correct myself. My son has a toy <laughs> of the other monster that they've shown fully in toy. It still hasn't showed up entirely in the trailers, but the toy is quite frankly unimpressive. But I think that's more the construction of the toy than the design of the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, it it somewhat resembles uh, Gigan G U I G A N with mm-hmm. the hook hands. Hook hands king. Okay. Uh somewhat resembles that, but mostly just the hook hands, like the rest of it is more insectile. Uh, and, but I, I just wonder, it, it's interesting uh, to know how they're going to introduce more monsters. And, uh, spoiler alert, if you look at Comcast's description of the trailer that they have available on demand, their description says, Humanity calls upon Godzilla to defend them from attacking monsters. The tone I was getting from the Asian trailer, uh, which is the one I've seen, uh, which is the most recent one, I, new one that I've seen, the, the, we've got the bit where Ken Watabe is going, 
the the folly of man is thinking that he can control nature when it's the other way around. I'm getting the impression that, that for me, that the storyline they're going to go with is something happened in 54, and they've kind of got a handle on Godzilla, but it's more of a, okay, something's happening, aim it in that direction, and hopefully it'll take it out. <laughs> Which, now, by the way, the line you mentioned is almost a direct quote from the Blue Oyster Cult song. Yep. <laughs> I love um, that song. Well, let me ask you this then, because I'm not as read up on the new one as it is. And I was going to talk about how I'm just hoping that he's a character, like an actual character. Right. But do you feel like they're taking the track of America dropped the bomb in 54 and they're talking about using a nuclear? I mean, are they taking, are they actually going back to the, the roots of what the monster is? Are they smart yeah. enough to do that? Or do you? I, well, from what I've seen <clears throat> in the trailer, they're saying that the reason America dropped the bomb was not to teach Japan a lesson, but to destroy Godzilla. And that's what the, all the atomic tests were to try hmm. and kill him. Right. But uh, so so going with that logic, was Godzilla looked? You know, did Godzilla look like he looks in the modern movie? The bombs had no effect. Was he something else? And the bombs made him into this. What there? There are. I I do like that they haven't given the movie away because that's something that too many modern movies are doing. You know the whole plot before you even go see the movie. Mm-hmm. And this, we have so many questions about what's going to happen, about how it's going to be handled, about how much Godzilla we're going to see. But come um, on, the real question is. Are we going to get another turd? I mean... Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, you I mean, can't... I mean, I know we don't want to talk about it, but... <laughs> no, um, we do. We do. It's just that, the, you know, it's hard to trust another Hollywood Godzilla after that. And, oh, man, talk about a shit movie. I mean, that's a shit movie regardless of being a monster machine. Yeah. Even yeah. if it had been called something else, it would be a crap film. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, God's the the creature in that film changes size constantly. The plot is everywhere. Uh, Matthew like Noah Marizilla, stop it! Stop <laughs> it! <laughs> Noah We're well, not I don't want to get too far that. into it, but I mean, as it, as, as it comes to this movie, it's just like you know, That's, there's a sour taste. There's a sour taste left from that, and and you're absolutely right. But I think what we have to look at is not. Amerizilla, what we have to look at is Legendary's pedigree. Yeah. Legendary Pictures, who say what you will about Watchmen, mm. they made oh, a fucking Watchmen movie, <laughs> and they let the guy who had a vision that was not Hollywood-friendly at all. Yeah. They let him go because they wanted to see a Watchmen movie. And mm-hmm. I gotta respect that man. They made three hundred. Who the fuck makes three hundred? Zack Snyder. Yeah, it was what a twenty-page comic at the most. Most right. of them splash pages. And so I, I have to respect Legendary's. Well, in all fairness, three hundred was a five issue. But yes, it was very sparse. There was not a whole lot of content to it. Right. So. Right, it was very, well, just like the movie, it was very visual. Yeah. Um, But I just, I think we have to look at what Legendary has done in the past, and you can't say that everything they've done... 
but we can say everything they've done has been made with the absolute best intentions. Phantomaniacs, I want to break in here and mention a couple of things. First of all, I was attempting to use a new recording format on Skype. Uh, Pamela was recommended to me by several individuals, and I gave it a shot. And I think I didn't have the settings right, because sometimes when you download a new thing 10 minutes before you record, you don't probably do the most thorough investigation of your new tool. Uh, and and let me just say, Needless Things is all about proper investigation of your tool. Uh, but anyway, I didn't have it set right, which is why I sound like I'm being recorded off of the radio with a cassette player in this episode, as opposed to the normal clarity uh, that you're hearing right now, as a matter of fact. But it, it still recorded better than a Malta, which is what I was using before and getting all the echo and stuff that was pissing me off every single episode. So I think I'm going to go with Pamela. I'm going to test it out on tomorrow night's episode of Earth Station Who, which you should check out, uh, earthstation1podcast.com, or esopodcast.com. That's right. Uh, and now, a word from our sponsors at the RevCast. We need to tape a promo, guys. If you had to encapsulate the roundtable in one catchphrasey kind of way, what would you say? Rampant Dickery? Or Donculus? <laughs> Uh, let's not go with Shrek. That 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 you know. The first okay. one was good. The second one was great. After that, it kind of you know. Guys, guys, promo. Stay on topic here. Okay. Stay on topic. Stay on topic. <laughs> oh no, I'm going in. Stay on topic. Stay on topic. Topic. Red leader, I'm, I, no, I'm sorry. Stay on topic. I can't say it. It's up to you, Red Five. Where's <laughs> oh, the promo? So, Luke. promo. <laughs> the Roundtable, brought to you by Revolution SF. Tough love for sci-fi. Available at revolutionsf.com and iTunes. everybody enjoyed that brief intermission uh i being a toy guy uh needless things site.com being a toy uh, primarily a toy website among many other things we obviously have to discuss godzilla toys because there's a long history of them uh varying in price point greatly mm-hmm. uh i'm not sure you know some of the earliest the first godzilla toy i ever had 
which I still have is this cheap little rubber hollow Godzilla uh, formed almost like one of those sharks you would buy at a tourist trap at the beach. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I've got one of those, but then I've also got one that came in a little bubble out of a machine that I had to put together. Uh, and then they're the big vinyl figures that Bandai did. Uh, they're the figures that Trend Masters did uh, back when the abortion came out. <laughs> and uh, and then they're the SH Monster Arts figures, which I have no experience with but would like to, but boy, do they cost a lot of money. You're talking uh, about the original Shogun Warrior time. Yes, one. Yeah, I okay. wanted to mention. And that, I, that, that ties back to my comic book fetish with Ann Herb Trimpian, Shogun Warriors. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I had uh, that one. See, I never had that, and I always forget about it when I'm talking Godzilla toys, uh, which happens more often than you might think. Um, I, I never had that thing, and it seems like everybody I meet now did have it. So if if uh, the listeners don't know, Shogun Warriors were Mazinger Z uh, figures that were transported over here by, was it Tomy that brought them over here? It was Hasbro, wasn't it? Was it Hasbro? Well, anyway, as as yeah. often happens, an American company co-opted them and brought them over here, uh, and they're big, two foot tall, plastic, the, awesome the robots. Toys ever in the entire world. My grandmother bought me a, and there's a picture on my Facebook somewhere. Me and Superman Underoos playing with my my Shogun Warrior. My grandmother bought me one for Christmas one year, and that was. I've tried to find this thing, and apparently it was a Sears exclusive, and it's oh my gosh, uh, it's expensive as hell. But I want See, to, I've wanted to collect those things so bad, but they're just they're just out of my price range. Oh, they're insanely expensive. Um, the only one I've ever I never had them when I was a kid, uh, because I my first toy passion uh, when I was like three, I guess probably because this would have been about seventy nine were the Mego, uh, 8-inch Mego figures. Uh, and that was my focus, and that's all I wanted. So I never had any of the Shogun Warriors until a few years ago when somebody reissued the original ones. Um, they're, they're the same molds, but they're mm-hmm. just newer updates. But anyway, this Godzilla Shogun Warrior... It so the fist launched right. Yeah, the fist. Yeah, the fist flies, launches out. He had a little switch on the back of his neck that made a little fire tongue come out, and he had like wheels, a, like a like a plastic tongue or like yeah, a little plastic. Jacks. It was a little plastic flappy tongue. Okay, yeah, it's supposed okay. to be fire though. Yeah, it had a, like a flame decal on it. It was maybe. Yeah. Three inches long at the most, though. So it was like, mm. <laughs> okay, okay. So he had, and he had, he had the wheels, wheels on the bottom of his feet. He had the wheels on his feet. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that was, I think, for a lot of people, that was probably the first Godzilla toy or the first one they were aware of. And actually, you can find uh, samples of that toy for for fairly reasonable prices because it, typically it'll be scuffed up or missing pieces or whatever. Like you can get the base toy. For under a hundred bucks, yeah, um, it, it's it's a common find at toy shows or at conventions or whatever. Well, they uh, made a ton of them. <laughs> Cause yeah, they, yeah, well, they had to have because they they're very easy to find. Yeah, and what I always what figured came... the fist had to come off because every single one of the Shogun figures had something that they fired. Mazinga, yeah. who I had, had like the three rockets that would fire off of his right hand, and he had the ship that came out of his head. 
And then there was the female one that her her titties shot out. <laughs> I mean, that just is a thing that happened. Yep. Thank you, Japan. Uh, so what what was after that? What was the next prominent Godzilla toy line? Now the 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 one that I think everybody here has or had at one point is the I don't know if this was the early nineties or what, but the sound one that the the alarm Godzilla. This thing was everywhere, and it was marked down at Toys R Us forever, and it was a really good sculpt of Godzilla. And you walk by it, and it would growl. Yeah, the motion-activated roar, that was Trend Masters from about 95. Was it 95? It was that late? Yeah. Yeah, I've got got that sitting up on the shelf right now. It's got the speaker holes in its chest. Yes. And that, that to me, is my favorite Godzilla toy that I've ever had. And I don't think I have mine anymore, but... Yeah, because Trendmasters put out Godzilla. That's right. They had the license before Amerizilla came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got it about 94. Um, the American Godzilla movie was actually supposed to come out about 93, 94, but it went through so many rewrites and <laughs> damn long. Which obviously helped it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Re- rewrites always work out really oh, well. Let's not, I don't want to go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Trendmasters did a lot of really cool, uh, they did a lot of the monsters besides Godzilla. Yeah, they did a Mecha Godzilla. They did a Mothra. They did a, they did a, the Gig they Key did Ghidorah, ones. They did, yeah. Yeah, they did a pretty decent run of toys, and that was probably the, the biggest American Godzilla toy line until Bandai started releasing the vinyl ones a few years after that. When did those start hitting? The Bandai's in America, I think, was about, shoot, seven, eight years ago now. And those were, I mean, I was really surprised because without any kind of movie support or anything, those were showing up in Toys R Us. Uh, The initial runs showed up in Target. Uh, and as you might expect, didn't do spectacularly well. But thanks to the new movie, they're starting to show up in Target again because Bandai is still doing the the different scale. They've got uh, six inch and twelve inch uh, vinyl figures of varying articulation, but they look fantastic. The sculpt on these is really good. Yeah, Bandai has pretty much been the name since about '83. They started doing them in Japan, the eight inch scale. And about 94, 95, people really started Im- importing those, and they could get up to two and three hundred dollars each. It was crazy. Wow. And now, you know, those are relatively easy to find. And then you also have, uh, it's it's a, I guess a sub brand of Bandai, the Monster Art stuff. Yeah. Which I can't really speak to, Johnny. You've you've experienced one or two of those, haven't you? Yeah, I've actually got four or five of them. They're cool, but the drawback with all the articulation is the parts are really loose. Like one of the Godzillas I have, his lower jaw pops off if you look at it. The hands pop off when you adjust the arms. And when the King Ghidorah came out, the wing tabs were so flimsy that people were breaking the wing, taking it out of the box. And this was a $150 toy. There was no fix Right. That. Yeah, and that's a shame, too, because, I mean, they look, sculpt-wise, they're beautiful. Yeah, I saw one of those up at Wugstreet, and the thing is, it's beautiful, but I just, there's no way in hell I could justify spending the money on them. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is you're talking about between eighty to one hundred and fifty dollars for yeah. you know what's basically a six inch scale toy. Yeah, man, I'm I like I'm I love Godzilla, but I'm not a fan like that with. And there's not many things I'm a fan like that to spend one hundred fifty dollars right. on a <laughs> right. six well, inch figure. So. And the good news though is that now, and and uh, if if you're a long time Needless Things podcast listener, you know that we've always had controversy over the pronunciation. NECA or NACA, uh, National Entertainment Collectibles Association, whatever you want to call them, now have the license to do not only toys for the new movie, but toys of classic Godzilla and uh, the other Daikaiju as well. Mm-hmm. So Which I saw at Target last week the new Godzilla toy and a 54 Godzilla that I drooled over and had to talk myself out of buying because I just... I don't need the. I have too much stuff. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. And that's looked, the other thing. It's amazing is Godzilla is back in Target. It yeah. looks sweet. I mean, that '54 Godzilla is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got. Uh, Naka is doing what they do: highly detailed sculpts uh, with as much articulation as you can pack in without messing up the toy's profile. Which is another thing that the Monster Arts figures. Um, some of them, the, the, they lose a little bit to the articulation. You've got big divots and holes. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the Godzillas, as a matter of fact, has a big, it almost looks like a diaper. <laughs> yep. The way that his, his lower abdomen is built. And it just doesn't, you know, I appreciate articulation. I'm a whore for articulation, but not at the expense of the aesthetics of the figure. And that's where Nika is really good at doing what they do. Uh, they're smart about articulation. So we're entering into this whole new renaissance of Godzilla toys. If these things are successful enough for them to continue producing them, where we're going to have classic toys. We're going to have toys from the new movie, uh, which I'm very curious to see what they do with those. Cause I do have, uh, several different licensees have, uh, the rights to make toys for the new movie. You've got, Naka, who will be doing their high-quality figures. You've got Jax Pacific, who made the giant 43-inch head-to-tail Godzilla. And then you've got... Um, oh, gosh. I'm totally blanking on the third company. Bandai. Are we getting... Are we getting a, a well, Bandai? yeah, Bandai, Bandai is doing toys as well. Because they did uh, the playset that I got for my son that comes with Godzilla and the other monster and then the destructible city. That's Bandai. Are we going to get uh, one of those boutique sideshowy kind of things, or? Mm. Oh, let me tell you. Let me talk since we're still talking about toys. Let me tell you guys my holy grail of Godzilla toys <laughs> is Marmot produced a series of figures of Godzilla. They're twelve inch scale Godzilla suits. Ooh. Oh wow! It is a <laughs> It is a 12-inch G.I. Joe-style action figure that actually goes into a Godzilla suit. Oh, wow. So it's a reproduction of the suit, not an idealized version of... Because, you know, most of these toys... Most of the toys are, you know, this is if Godzilla were, you know... It doesn't have seams and and a pin flap and all that kind of stuff. These had all of the features of the actual Godzilla suit. Yeah, I think I've seen that online before. It's pretty cool looking. 
That I would love to have one of those. Johnny, have you ever seen one of these? You know, I think what you might be talking about is the Combat Joe Godzilla from the mid-80s. Well, I know they were produced later than that by Marmot, but I don't know if they were done, like if that style of figure had been done earlier. Yeah, this came out in the mid-80s. It was like an articulated G.I. Joe, like the old big Kung Fu grip type G.I. Yeah, yeah. That went inside yeah. the Godzilla suit. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe that is it then. I was thinking it was Marmot. Well, and it may still be Marmot that made them. Um, but I, I remember coming across those things. Uh, Shane Morton drew my attention to them probably in the mid nineties and they were already now compared to toy prices. Now they were completely reasonable, mm-hmm. but back then I think there were like 80 bucks, which is a total bargain for a 12 inch scale Godzilla suit. Yeah. yeah, but at, at the time, I was like eighty dollars. I can't be paying that for a toy. I mean, I bought that that seventy five dollar Bella Lugosi was like the most expensive thing in the world to me at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little the little uh, figures did it right. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful figure, but like I could, that was that was the first expensive toy I ever bought. Oh wait, so. no, you're talking about the flat world. Yeah, Dracula. the flat world one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That right. is a fantastic toy. And I'm yeah. looking at one of these uh, Godzilla Combat Joes for sale right now. $1,300. Good <laughs> <laughs> oh, $80 so. was definitely a deal. Now would, be a, now would be a good time for me to mention uh, the Needless Things Store Envy Store. <laughs> where you can go to buy Needless Things t-shirts, stickers, and mystery boxes. Or simply click on the PayPal link to the right side of the page you're looking at. And donate to Needless Things in the amount of $1,300 so I can get a Combat Joe. As a matter of fact, go ahead and donate more so we can I can get a Combat Joe for me, one for Johnny Danger, yes. one for Gary Mitchell, <laughs> yes. and one for Scott Stripling of Shoot the Moon Comics. So uh, you guys out there listening, just go ahead and donate like $10,000. We'll buy Godzilla toys, and we'll each review the various toys that we well, get. We'll do a secret... Special podcast just for the the. People. We will do yeah. a nude video podcast just for the ten thousand dollar donator. Oh wait, I'm not supposed uh, to be naked now. Oh, oh hey, I was, I was. Oh, this isn't video though, so I guess we're okay. <laughs> and you know, speaking of which, how sexy is Godzilla? Because he's naked all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, so that's the toy scene. Uh, there, there are tons and tons of Godzilla toys out there for every price range. If you don't have a ton of money, you can buy Godzilla toys. You know, you can uh, you can go to a flea market and you're going to find a Godzilla toy. That's kind of what's beautiful is it's been around so long that there's every grade of toy available out there. And if you're a high end collector, there's statues. There, you know, there's all kinds of merchandise out there, and it's only going to get better. And if this movie, you know, it's already good now because licensors have already lined up to support the new movie. But if this movie is the success that I think it's going to be, there's going to be even more. Yeah. Yeah, the main thing I need is I need a Godzilla figure that's in scale with my Cherno Alpha, so I can have the two of them slugging it out on my shelf. (laughs) That's an interesting thing, because unless I'm mistaken, Godzilla is a good bit smaller than the Kaiju from Pacific Rim. Is that correct? I don't know how the Pacific Rim kaiju scaled out, but this Godzilla, I believe, is 355 feet tall. 
Oh, really? So he is much larger than previous yeah, Godzillas. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's huge. There, there's a scale I've seen somewhere. Someone just posted on Facebook in the last one or two days. It showed the progressive bigness of Godzilla as time has gone on. He gets bigger and bigger. Now, I know I know we did, like, favorite Daikaiju regardless of Godzilla, but who's everybody's, like, favorite Godzilla? Because mine's obviously the first one, and that's definitely my lump. Lumpy Godzilla is the best. Good call. Good call. Um, I, ooh, that's a tough call for me. My favorite Godzilla movie, and I, you know, Scott, I think you and I went to see this at a premiere. Didn't you and I go see Godzilla 2000? God, I can't remember, dude. I think we got tickets. I think Titan had tickets to like an early premiere and I think you and I went and saw we it because we probably did. That's there's remember we went and saw everything. <laughs> 99X was there giving stuff away. They had questions uh, that were supposed to be like tough nerd trivia questions and they were softball bullshit like oh. what's Darth Vader's real name? Yeah, didn't win. I want a 99X you shirt. Want, or some yes, shit. You want yes, you did. Yeah. You want a, you <laughs> want a fucking tie-dyed 99X shirt. That's right. I yes. about that shit. Yes. Yeah, so you and I went and saw Godzilla 2000 together. <laughs> yeah. And that God's just because that was the first one. Well, one, it was such redemption from the shitty American Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that design, to me, that's just the one I have the most affection yeah, for. Yeah, that's a cool one, too. It's a great design, because depending on the camera angle... They could get get a different expression off him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, what's yours? Who's which? Who's your Godzilla? You know, it's a Godzilla I grew up with, the '60s, '70s era. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he's you know, I don't care that he doesn't look that realistic. He's got personality, and I watched him stomp Tokyo flat how dozens and dozens of times. I'm sure I was convinced that Tokyo is built on 75 feet of rubble. <laughs> Johnny, what about you? I've got a top two. The first one is uh, the one from my childhood, the one from 1967 to 72 from Destroy All Monsters, the one that tag team with Angurus against Ghidorah and Gigan. I yep. love that one. That's the ultimate good guy Godzilla for me. But I think the coolest looking one was the one that was introduced in 89 that fought Biollante and King Ghidorah, the uh-huh. Bio suit. Mm-hmm. Of that one, yeah, that one. Uh, that was the first one I saw on Blu-ray, and that. Well, first of all, Biolante, what a crazy and awesome concept! It's a rose. Yeah, it's a it's a monster that like personifies love in a weird way. And yet destroys everything. Like like that that was another like almost kind of high concept movie. Yeah, there's some and, uh, shit in there. This the the scientist spliced a rose with Godzilla cells with the tissue of his dead daughter. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's and it's another one that's a little more cohesive than some of them. Like I didn't have any trouble following what was going on. And man, out of all the monster arts figures that I would like to have. That two hundred and thirty dollars son of a bitch is one that I would <laughs> yeah. love to have. Uh, okay, what's? Uh... Oh wait, uh, no, that was your two. That was your two. Um, what is the bunny monster? 
bunny monster. <laughs> There's one that has it's brownish. It has like bunny ears. It shows up in Final Wars. King Caesar. Yes, okay, that's correct. They have a toy of King Caesar in Target right now. Yes. Which is one of wow. the most insane things I've ever seen. What's the story with King Caesar? King Caesar is actually a Shisa, like the, the Japanese lion dog you see outside of the restaurants. Oh, okay, oh. okay. Oh. Guardian deity of Okinawa uh, debuted in 1974 to aid Godzilla against the original Mechagodzilla. Okay. So, see, that one, to me, I thought that was a more modern one, but not at all. Which yeah. I've, been watch- I've been watching Terror of Mechagodzilla the whole time we've been doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mechagodzilla is so cool, I just got to say again. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, yeah. they're doing cool stuff right now, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I've actually got Godzilla Raids again uh, playing <laughs> as, we're, as we're talking. Um, what are, so there, a lot of the monsters have been around for a long time, but some of them, like Biollante, have been introduced recently. What what is the what are the ones that have kind of stuck around? Uh, have all of the classics stuck around, or have some kind of fallen by the wayside and not been used again? Well, Toho has what they call their big five, which would be Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, Mechagodzilla, and King Ghidorah. Those are the ones that pop up across all the series. And some of them, like Megalon, he was only in one movie. Jet Jaguar was only in one movie. It, it kind of depends. Interesting. So, and then there's always the potential for any of them to come back, depending on this is this is my thing. It really doesn't matter what characters you use, uh, as long as the writing is good. Yeah. Like, it really kind of does, like, any of the characters, even if maybe their movies didn't do so well, if a good writer brings them back or somebody with a good visual concept or, you know, then then you can do something with them. And that's Toho has, I guess, this huge library. And that's what's interesting about the new movie is, I mean, we almost don't even know enough to speculate, but obviously Hollywood being what Hollywood is... If Godzilla 2014 does well, we're going to get another one. Oh yeah, yes. Well, so, every studio is hungry for a franchise right now. And yeah, exactly. And with the interesting, because I was utterly unaware, uh, Johnny, when you said that that no other Toho monsters were being used in this one. Do you think that they will seek the licenses to some of those, or do you think that they'll continue just trying to create new monsters on their own? I got a feeling they will bring some of the classic ones in. I've heard this movie described as kind of a recruitment movie, like they want to attract some people who wouldn't necessarily be Godzilla fans and hook them with the uh, with the human drama. So Godzilla's screen time may not be what us fans want it to be in this movie. Uh, sure. But I have heard Gareth Edwards say that he's really interested in doing a Destroy All Monsters monster oh. concept in the next film. And now, instead of introducing a bunch of new monsters, it kind of stands to reason you'd, you know, dig up some of the old ones. I groaned, but the Japanese were always really good about having the character develop, the, the human <clears throat> characters with with the monster stuff. I just worry about Godzilla not being a character in the movie. I worry about him yeah. being a, a just a monster. That's, and that's, that's what a- worries me. That's something yeah. I was worried about, too, but I will say, I, I do know some people that have seen the movie, and without spoiling anything, they have told me Godzilla is very much a character. 
Okay. And actually managed to kind of blend all of his personalities into one. So oh, I'm, cool. I'm kind of hopeful about that. It still doesn't yeah. sound like we're going to be seeing enough of him, but. Well, and you know what? Here's the thing. I, as much as I want to see Godzilla just destroying tons and tons of shit, at the same time, you don't want too much of Godzilla destroying tons and tons of shit because it's got to feel special this first time out. Yeah. And um, if, if you go back to the first movie, Godzilla was kind of sparse in the first movie, too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and even in the later movies, that's what I've been seeing. Typically, what they do, and this is kind of the best of what the Marvel movies have been doing lately, um, there's this understanding that you need to start with interesting stuff, you need to tell a story, and then you need to get back to the interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do the big action all the time because then it gets old and it's not special anymore. Yeah, you get inundated and it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Well, it's, and like, it's lot, like the last 500 minutes of Man of Steel. Oh, yeah. Well, or or of Return of the King. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just too much stuff and that's... Uh, a lot of the Godzilla movies that I've been watching over the past two weeks, I've noticed they open big, but then there's a lot of human drama, and then there's the big monster brawl at the end. Well, if you don't so care about it the, is the formula. No What's that? If you don't care about the people, there's no point. Right. Yeah. But I, I have to have a character with a monster, too. I mean... Okay. They have to develop the the character with the monster too, and I think that that's a, like when I was you know complaining about the fake American Godzillas, and that's why I worry about American Godzilla movies is they they tend to not focus on the monster as a character; he's just a force of nature. Period, and that's a misreading of Godzilla. Now, uh, Johnny, I'm going to ask you this: Do you think? There, it, it would be possible to do a, a monster suit Godzilla movie for American audiences now. <laughs> you know, I don't, and it, it kills me to say that because I love the practical effects. You know, going back to E.G. Tsuburaya, Ray Harryhausen, people like that, I, I could watch that the rest of my life. But American audiences are skeptical enough when they hear the name Godzilla if it gets out that it's a guy in a suit, people are going to shit on it before they even see it. The reviews are going to tear it to shreds, whether it's good or not. Yeah. 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 Even if it, I mean, well, look, I mean, we got Doug Jones right now. If there's anybody I'd stick in a Godzilla suit, an American Godzilla suit, it would be Doug Jones. Well, and that's the thing, is this is basically a modern version of a guy in a Godzilla suit. Mm-hmm. Because it is Doug Jones, he is there, he's present, it's not like it's purely CG, it's not... It's motion cap? Right. It's it's not whipped up. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, there is a, a physical presence doing the things that Godzilla's doing. Well, I think they've kind of, Hollywood's kind of figured that out, that motion capture works better for that than than straight CG anyway. 
Plus, you get all those hilarious pictures of the actors with dots all over their body. And so, sometimes they have a stupid head on, too, like the Jar Jar Binks guy. Yes. So, yeah, well, let's not talk about it. You keep bringing up, don't make me defend Jar Jar. Not inviting you back on this show. Um, the, one thing so, I say, I, the one thing I will say I was sad to hear, though, um, is that I, I don't remember exactly who it was, but there was a Toho staffer I read quote in an interview recently that said if they do make another Godzilla movie in Japan, they are going to go with CGI over there. That is disappointing. No, I, I would, yeah, I would have been fine if America had their CGI Godzilla and Japan kept the traditional one, but sure. it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. That yeah. that does disappoint me because or after watching... Be expense, though. Uh, yeah, that's probably a good point, but after watching Final Wars, um, which is... I don't know what to say about Godzilla Final Wars. It's, it's terrible. It's fucking batshit crazy. It well, it is terrible, but at the same time, it's fucking spectacular. Uh I don't it's not you can't look at it as a Godzilla movie. You can't I don't know what to look at it as. Uh, it's just a spectacle. See, that's, that's just it. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know if it wants to be the Matrix, X-Men, Godzilla, what. Right, and that's that's the thing, is it's a fucking mess, but I can't say I hate it because I enjoyed watching it, but it's not... Like, I can't lump it in with any other Godzilla stuff at all. It's just this... I think it's a crazy-ass movie that happens to guest star Godzilla, I don't know, but there was there was some CGI in that that disappointed me. Like there was some stuff that okay. Here's here's what I wanted to get to earlier. What is the iguana Godzilla doing in that movie? How did that happen? <laughs> Getting his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. does totally. He gets Didn't... whooped in like a second, but that, like that's pretty much the whole point. It was there the Toho studio going, no, 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 that that yeah. wasn't Godzilla. That's the story I heard. Is they purposely whooped his ass just to, as as a as a rib. Yeah, yeah to take that. Funny. They they brought him back in and they renamed him Zilla to emphasize the point that the Americans took the god out of Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I I uh... totally earned. I need to watch that again. As much as I kind of don't want to watch it again, I want to watch it again because I feel like I missed a lot. But at the same time, I don't know that I did miss a lot. I think it's just a fucking mess. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it was it you, was amazing. You sold me on it. I've got to see this now, so. dude. It's I don't <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't explain it. But then it's, again, it's you basically say a Godzilla, mess. it's a Godzilla highlight reel. Watch Godzilla kick the crap out of everybody. <laughs> When I hear yeah. a mess of a movie, I automatically go, "Oh, I gotta check this out." Though. It is a total mess of a movie, no doubt. Um, all right. So, in closing, what did you guys before you saw anything? What did you guys think about the new Godzilla movie? And now, total honesty, what are you expecting out of it? Uh, let's start with Scott. I could not give a shit about this movie because of the other one. Um, when I saw the Comic-Con tease, I got a little excited because it started looking like Godzilla, and they obviously weren't going to do Zilla again. 
um, after this podcast and hearing what I've heard, I'm actually kind of excited about it. I, I kind of want, I want to check it out now. I, the, the hearing that Godzilla has a personality excites me. Um, I don't want to see a Brian Cranston, just a Brian Cranston movie. I want to see a Brian Cranston versus a, an actual monster with is uh, its own person, not just a force of nature. So I think I'm, I'm a little excited about it now. Johnny Danger. I went from being excited initially to just fearing for the worst when we didn't see any kind of promotion for the longest time. And then when we did, it seemed like they were putting the emphasis on all the wrong things. Like, they're so proud of these fucking skydivers with their flares. They keep showing us that. They're showing us Brian Cranston chewing up the scenery, but they're not showing us Godzilla. We finally see Godzilla, and I don't like the design. It's not the classic Toho Godzilla I grew up to love, but I'm hoping they'll find a way to recapture that sense of wonder that the early Japanese films had. And hopefully, you know, if it spreads interest in the original Godzilla, maybe it'll make Godzilla fans out of kids today, and I'm okay with that. Now, let me ask you, um, from what I understand, Toho's standards were that, uh, back in the day, were that Godzilla had more of a gorilla face than a lizard face. You know, he's, um, he's, looked, he's looked like a, a couple different things. Like in uh, 62, when he fought King Kong, he kind of had like a frog kind of face. It was a great suit. And then the 90s Godzilla's kind of had a cat-like face. I think for this one, they've said they're going between, across between a bear and an eagle, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> so there's not really a standard that's been established. Well, Toho's got some really weird standards. Like he has to have a certain number of toes on his feet. <laughs> He has to have three rows of dorsal fins. He can't be shown eating people. There's some really fascinating rules. Interesting. So, yeah. so that'll bear out in the new movie. So, Gary, what uh, what what are your thoughts? My thoughts are very similar to yours. When I first heard it was coming out, I was like, well, let's don't screw it up like the the last one. And then I heard they hired the guy from Monsters, and I was like, oh fuck me, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, because right. you know that movie. I like the creature design, but just like you, it's like I watched it, and especially when you realize that bit at the very beginning that tells you how this story ends and it ends badly. Yeah, yeah. I was like very unhappy. Then I saw that first trailer, and I was like, well, "That's interesting." And then I saw the new one, and seeing the new trailer in IMAX in front of uh, Captain America, mm-hmm. and. Feeling that Godzilla roar at the end shake my body. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I gotta feel this again. <laughs> I, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. I, I, you know, I like you. I don't want to get build my hopes up so much that I walk out of it going, man, it wasn't that good. But I can't help but go, oh, please don't suck. Please don't suck. <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's where I'm at now. And and I I heard an interesting thing uh, I listened to recently. Not that anybody should ever listen to any other podcast aside from the Revcast and Needless Things. But I was listening to another podcast, and it was with uh, the head of Legendary Studios, and he was talking about how monsters got made, and I didn't know this. This guy made it on his laptop. Uh, He filmed the two principal characters just filmed them and then added in the monster effects. Basically the impression I got was that he wanted to make a big monster movie, but he wanted like his resources were limited. 
and that's why it was the way it was. Not that he didn't want to make a human love story, but that he was being very clever about using his resources. Mm-hmm. So my hope is, now that he has money behind him, and some of the trailers are looking to bear this out, is that he's going to have the scale and the budget to do what he wants to do with giant monsters. Because from what I understand, this guy fucking loves Godzilla. Um, and that monsters, while it didn't have the epic scope of a Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. it was his tribute to the genre. So I'm, I'm hopeful now. I, like I said, I don't want to get excited, but I'm excited. Well, I think one of the things, like what you said there, is I'm I'm a Trekkie, and I love Star Trek. And the new movies, my 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 expectations were so low going in to see those movies that I think that they were so low that I actually kind of enjoyed them for what they were. Right. And mm-hmm. it, to me, they just felt like Hollywood Star Trek movies, and yeah. I can like them for what they are. But it, they're not. They're then that's kind of what I'm hoping I get out of this Godzilla too. And since you guys are kind of worried, and I was too at first, that they, they might be repeating the same mistakes they made in 98. Like we said earlier, Godzilla will fight other monsters, and he also will have his atomic breath in this movie, thank God. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is that is tremendous news. And that's an interesting point about the Star Treks, because I, I am, I'm a Trekkie, but my Star Trek is the motion pictures. That yeah. was, I mean, I love the original series and I love Next Generation, but if I have to pick a Star Trek, it's the motion pictures. Well, I think we grew up on those. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that is, that was our thing. And the new Star Treks, I, I love them, man. And yeah. they're not, they'll never replace the motion pictures. <laughs> that, yeah. They'll Thank never... you for giving me a safe space to say that. Dude, <laughs> I think those are such fun movies. I've watched both of them several times now. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, stuff doesn't have to compete. There's plenty of room to enjoy Classic Trek, Next Generation, the new movies. And there's plenty of room to enjoy 60s Godzilla the original Godzilla, 90s Godzilla, and, you know, we'll see how this one pans out. There's but no, I will say no this. There's no room for Zilla. So. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> where I was headed next. On that note, I think we can all agree, fuck 1998 Godzilla, <laughs> right in its hermaphrodite ass. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and on the that only, note. The only good thing about that film was when I saw it, a friend of mine smuggled in his two-foot-high roaring Godzilla and right before the movie started, in that quiet space of blackness, he hit the button. And there was, he had the classic Godzilla roar before the film started. Everybody just laughed and loved it. And the rest of the say, movie, downhill. I will say, I have that toy right beside me right now. It doesn't roar anymore. That's a good toy. Yeah. It's a good toy. It's a giant toy. They did a good job with it. All right. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for coming on tonight and talking about Godzilla with me. Now it is time for the Plug Fest. Let's start with Johnny Danger. Johnny Danger, where can we find you online? Where can we find you in wrestling events? What is going on? Okay, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash dangerkick. 
I'm currently wrestling for Platinum Championship Wrestling, PCW, in Porterdale, Georgia, the first and third Saturday of every month. I pop up in the uh, National Wrestling Alliance from time to time, the NWA. Uh, you can find me all over the state, but my main home base is Porterdale. Awesome. Gary Mitchell. You can find me on the Twitters as Gary underscore Mitchell with one L and Star Trek fans. Yes, it's my real name. Uh, <laughs> you can find me co-hosting the Revcast and hosting Rev News, which Mr. Troublemaker has been on. Uh, you can also find me at the RevolutionSF.com webpage where we're doing Psy Fighters weekly, pitting people against each other that you've never had seen pitched at each other before, such as this upcoming match of Gem versus Dazzler. <laughs> it's an exclusive phantom that one's not hit the hit the website yet you oh get you heard it here first folks <laughs> yeah. can we get and jubilee in for a three-way uh, oh that's that, that's flying. a whole different type of contest things just got, <laughs> things just got sexy <laughs> yes. and finally and scott find it on the, hmm? oh, go ahead oh. and you find that on revolutionsf.com facebook well. Yes, and we will have a, a bumper at the end for uh, RevCast, because it's been a while since I've done one, and I love you guys' bumpers. <laughs> Finally, Scott Stripling Online, where can we find you and your crazy art? Um, Tumblr is probably the best bet. It's Shoot the Moon Comics on Tumblr. Um, I don't have the exact link, but I, I'm pretty sure if you type Shoot the Moon Comics in, there will only be one. Yeah. Um I'm working on a website. I've got, um, here's an exclusive for you too. I'm working on a story for a minute men, double nickels on a dime, uh, anthology that'll be out soon. And I'm working on actually a kaiju, uh, zine. I'll be doing a story for that soon. And I'm all over Facebook under my real name. Add me as a friend. I do a lot of uh, promotion through there. And uh, I also have a Shoot the Moon Comics Facebook. And you also just did a story for uh, Atomic Elbow. Yes, I did a four-page Arn Anderson story in the new Atomic Elbow. Check it out. Buy it. Robert Newsom's awesome. Um, I'm I'm getting my stuff out there. Arn Anderson, and that takes me back. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, if you can uh, pause from looking at pictures of chicks with dicks with things in their butts on Tumblr long enough to type <laughs> shoot the moon into the search bar. Tumblr, and, uh, Tumblr has actually become pretty big for comic book people. It's it's impressive. There's a lot of uh, good comic book stuff on there now. It's not just porn anymore. <laughs> it's so. not. It's That's the internet your... in general, isn't it? It's not just porn anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really is kind of the whole internet. If you can drag <laughs> yourself away from the porn, you can actually find some cool stuff. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for being on. I look forward to having all of you back at some point or another again. And uh, that's it for Godzilla. Look forward to seeing the movie this Friday. And... Uh, Remember, always, Phantom Troublemaker loves you guys. So uh, hit the PayPal button. Give me some money. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of another lovely Needless Things podcast. I loved talking to those guys. That was awesome. We had a fantastic time. As a matter of fact... 
We had such a fantastic time that I am going to have Scott Stripling back on. I am going to have Gary Mitchell back on. And I am going to have Johnny Danger back on to the Needless Things podcast one week from now. And we are going to talk about the new Godzilla movie after we all see it. Uh... We talked about it after we finished recording. Everybody's going to see it over the weekend or sooner. Johnny Danger, uh, who is apparently very special and gets to see it before everybody else. But uh, it probably has something to do with him being inside of a Godzilla suit. Uh, But anyway, we're getting back together and we're going to record a follow-up to this story where we're going to, to this story, to this episode where we're going to discuss the new movie, and it's going to be awesome, and you're going to have to go back to iTunes or Stitcher or NeedlessThingsSite.com and find episode 24, which will be all about the new Godzilla. Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla. I'm going to be putting it up everywhere online, and hopefully we get some new listeners, and hopefully you guys like what we do here. And I am going to be trying to do it twice a month or more, which is going to be the case in May. Thank you so much for listening. We've got lots more exciting stuff planned this year. Next month in June, I'm going to be at Heroes Con recording interviews again. That's going to be awesome. So uh, really, there's nothing more to say today except donate to Needless Things if you can. Uh, PayPal, Store Envy. I love you guys. Thank you so much. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.